0: listening to the lc and jack radio show live from new york and now here are your hosts lc and jack to the L.C. and Jack Radio Show. With the boys, L.C. and the Breadman, holding you down. Give us a shout in the studio. You can reach us at 347-843-4738. Up close and personal, Urban Talk Radio. Well, it's great to be back at you, live and direct. As you know, we always strive to bring you great radio great time of year weather's getting you know very warm out so it's time for you to ladies out there to bring out those bikinis those those fellas bring out those swim trunks because the weather's getting real nice so hopefully you'll enjoy it like myself and the bread man will do and uh it's uh you know let's let's get right at it what's happening there bread
1: looks good there man
0: How much? Yeah, just just, like I said, it's it's springtime. It's weather's getting right. So it's really time for us to kind of turn up the heat, which we're going to do that here, you know, on on the radio waves with our special guest that we have this evening. So so why don't we get right at it, Brett?
1: Sounds like a plan.
0: All right. Our guest this evening was an all-pro offensive tackle. Named to eight Pro Bowls for the Oakland Raiders. He has two Super Bowl rings and was selected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He also became the second African American to become a head coach in pro football for the Oakland Raiders. We are so happy and pleased to welcome to the show. The player, the coach, the Mister Do It All, Mister Art Shell. How are you, Art? How are you today? Life's good. I'm doing great. Th- thank you guys for having me on. Really appreciate it. No
1: problem. Uh,
0: we appreciate. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on, taking a little little time out. Uh, we we like to be informative radio to our listeners out there. A lot of them, you know, want to be. Uh, in pro football want to coach want to do different aspects of the game so we we figure why not get someone who who's pretty much done it all on a pro level and let them listen to the wisdom that you can provide maybe some guidance there but before you do that i'd like to just touch a little bit quickly and you, you have an extensive resume but i'd like to extend you know Touch a little bit on your playing career. Pretty, pretty phenomenal. Um, I don't know if the audience really realized. It, you know, Pro Bowls that you got is is, is great. But when someone says you're an All-Pro, that means you're the best at that position. There's nobody better. And I'd like to commend you on being an All-Pro tackle. What a what a what an achievement that is.
1: Did oh, you ever in your
0: wildest? Yeah, did you did you ever in your wildest dreams, you know, coming from South Carolina, think that you would <laughs> make it to the pros, but then be an All Pro?
1: Well, you know, you know, uh, Larry, uh, what what happened? Um, as with all of us, uh, when you're young and you're growing up, uh, you see. Things on TV, hear about things. Uh, I never had an idea after playing pro football. only thing I wanted to do was I wanted to go to school, finish school, and, you know, get my education in high school. And then once I got to high school, um, you know, I said, you know what, I like to be a coach because I had my high school coaches that really impressed me. I admired them for what they were doing for the young men. Um that I was involved with along with them And um, so then My goal at that time was I wanted to Go to college and you know Get a degree and come back and be A high school coach that was my goal At that time
0: Wow high school coach Instead those plans changed Up and you want to play yeah. Pro ball Not just for any team But one of the staples For the silver and black the Oakland Raiders now how was that experience, and I think your first coach, and you correct me if I'm wrong, was mm-hmm. is that John Madden? Is that correct? Uh,
1: no, I had a guy, uh, my, my rookie year, we had a guy named John Rauch. John Rouch was in his second year as, as the head coach of the Raiders. And um, then after that, after my rookie year, you know, we won a lot of games, but I guess he and management didn't get along. Well, and next um, thing I know, he was going, and then John Madden became the coach, um, who I called my coach. John was a great guy to work for, and we had a lot of fun.
0: Now, John, they said was very difficult, real tough guy to, to kind of deal with. Um, I know you said it was a lot of fun, but I guess you'd like to work hard because it – and even listening to John when he became a Hall of Fame announcer, sounded like a tough guy to, you know, to kind of uh, – uh, you know, work for was was it difficult or was he just uh, you know you had to understand that that was just part of the job and if you did that you got his respect.
1: Oh, uh, you get you gain respect of John Madden by working hard and um, um, John was good. He was a very good coach because he understood people. He understood that the uh, game of football was nothing but a game of understanding the people that play the game of football and uh, I had a great relationship with him. Uh, we, You know, we had our run-ins a little bit here and there, but after the run-ins, we always had an understanding of it, of each other. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I was my own worst critic, so when I make a mistake, I know it. I don't need you to hop on me about it, and I told John about that after practice one day. I called him over to the side, and then I said, John, I said, look, I, I, I'm the watch critic, and and by the time you get to by the time you start to harp on me, I've already I've already punished myself mentally, and mm-hmm. um, I said, you know, if you want to holler at somebody, you go home and holler at your kids. Don't come hollering at me. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> so I'm I'm waiting for, you know, a backlash. You know what he said? Don't be so sensitive and start
0: laughing And we had a big <laughs> laugh
1: about it So that's the kind of coach he was That's old school that's too <laughs> Yeah
0: That's great to hear that's old
1: school. I mean I love
0: oh, yeah. Love John uh, You know Hearing him being an announcer And kind of hearing that coach come mm-hmm. out of him uh, yeah. So had a lot of respect for him You know uh, I, I do that myself I coach I'm a youth football coach So I can kind of understand okay. Where he's coming from you, Yourself Being a right. coach
1: mm-hmm. So
0: yeah. uh, and, and football's great Because it's a great discipline Sport It's about following yeah. orders Doing your job You do what you're exactly. supposed to do Everything else Everything else will fall into place That so, is so uh, true so I, Yeah Yeah so, so I get it So who on the team Was your buddy I mean, you, you had some studs uh, around you on, on the line. Well, but was there was a particular guy that you know you kind of hung out with well, that was your man? I hung out my 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 running
1: mate um, Gene Upshaw would probably came. We became very close. Um, he was a year ahead of me. He was when he when I was a rookie. He was in the second year um, on the team, and mm-hmm. we evolved into having a great relationship. Friendship on the field, friendship off the field, and I had a lot of respect for him, and we had a lot of respect for each other. So, as time went by and developed, uh, we we um, had a reputation for had a pretty good um, left side. As oh, pretty, said. Good. <laughs> yeah. pretty good,
0: pretty good guys, yeah, are all we, pros. We
1: were we were, we were fortunate. Uh, but we had we had good coaches. Like John was a great head coach, and an our line coach. Old, uh, Ollie Spencer was from can you know, from um, Kansas. Um, he was a, like he called himself an old farm boy. He played for the Detroit Lions back in the fifties. Won championships with them. And um, at this time, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, there there are three of us. That uh, really four. That made the poor Football Hall of Fame. but he coached, so he was. We had a good coach, and uh, we learned well uh, from him. He taught us things, taught me things that I continue to carry on in my coaching career. Um, things that I learned uh, from him and learned from the Raider organization.
0: And that's great. And you you, you kind of stole my thunder. Um, I mean, you had the the honor to be inducted to the hall of fame, which, you know, the pro football hall of fame, which, uh, we commend you myself and the bread man in for an achievement that probably less than 2% of the players get a chance to, uh, receive that honor because it's the best of the best. And so congratulations. Um, thank for, you for, thank for you. making that. I mean, uh, it's something that's, it's even harder than, than a Pro Baseball Hall of Fame. It's so much more um very difficult. So I commend you from, you know, someone that wanted to coach to someone who became All-Pro, Hall of Famer, and and then coach. But before we kind of leapfrog into the coach, tell me your sure. experience, I believe in 1989, um, doing your uh, commencement speech uh, out in Canton. What was
1: that feeling like? That was one of the greatest feelings there ever was. Um,
0: you know, when you go back to the Hall of
1: Fame and then they start telling you, the old guys that are already in, they start prepping you. Um, so you guys are going to cry when you get up there and stop talking about your mom and your daddy. You're going to cry like big babies on national TV, <laughs> you know, and you tell them, no, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> You go up there, as soon as you start talking. The tears start coming down. So <laughs> what you do, you're talking about everything that occurred in your life up until that particular time, and all the memories. You know, you got your notes written down, and you all the memories that you had. You know, my mom and dad were were gone. You know, I didn't have them around, but I could feel their presence there with me on that stage as I'm talking and I had my sisters and brothers and other family members in the audience, um, that was a, that was a boy, That was a tough thing, but I tell you one of the best feelings in the world is to say that you are going to be inducted into a, a hall of fame with some of the grace that ever played the game. I mean, that's, that's, that's mind boggling. Uh, for someone like me, it was it was for me, and it's it's for a lot of people that goes into the Hall of Fame today.
0: Now I assume that uh, is that part of the the you know once you're in, then you come back every year, correct, and welcome in the <laughs> new inductees.
1: Yep, yep. Then you tell the other guys they're gonna cry, and they all said, no, I'm not gonna cry."
0: <laughs> yes, you will. And then they tell you like T L right? Well, he didn't show uh, up, but. He's a tough guy. He, he was going to cry. But I bet you he did cry when he uh, did his own uh, enshrinement sure he speech. I'm, he didn't do it up at Canton.
1: I'm sure he did when he got to talking about his grandmother and, and all the people that, that um, he knew. I'm sure it's, it's a very touch. it It just opens you up to the rest of the world and opens you up to what you're going through. You're looking back on your life, you're looking back on where you began as a young kid and how you evolved. Throughout um, grade school, high school, and then they evolved into pro football and playing the game at its highest level, and then playing at such a high level that you get a chance to be honored to be inducted into the pro football, pro football Hall of Fame. I mean that that's, that's just mind-boggling.
0: Now, who was your mentor as a you know going through you know high school and then I guess going in you know becoming a pro? Um, a pro athlete was there a particular person oh. that you kind of was you know, uh, guided you to kind of through the process or that you someone that someone you looked at?
1: Well, at each stage of my life, I had somebody that uh, um gave me guidance, um, kind of pointed the way. Um, I had to start with my mother and father, um, you know, when I was in a a young kid, I remember. I'm from I'm from North Charleston, South Carolina, and um, uh, my dad had relatives up in Orangeburg, which which is where South Carolina State and Clapham College is. And I'm just a young kid, and we ride and go visit an uncle, and then we are on the way back home, and we pass these big buildings that at the time looked like some of the tallest buildings in the world, but they're, they're just campus buildings. <laughs> Uh, South Carolina State And Clapham right next to each other And I remember my, I never forgot it My dad said How would you like to go to that school one day and I looked at that place I said boy That's great And that Moment He put a You know put something in the back of my mind Going to college That's where he was And my dad was a stickler about going to school Uh, We all, uh, my mom um, Got as far as the 6th grade My dad got as far as the 6th grade In school, because back then You know, know, you're a child Of a sharecropper, and then you When it's time to Do the fields, you're not in school So uh, So when we were growing up Boy, you're going to go to school Every single day We had to do it, and don't talk About being sick, if you were sick You're going to stay in bed all day long. You're not going to get up and think everybody's gone, going to go to work, and and you're going to get up and go play. Uh Uh-uh. You better be in that bed when I get home. And if you're not, you're going to get it. And that's the way it was. So education was a big thing in our family. Uh, My dad, boy, he was a stickler about that. My mom was a stickler about that. You're going to get that education. They thought that that was the... That was a key success for you as a young person growing up. And then, you know, you go to high school and you got the football coaches and the basketball coaches because I played both in high school. And all these people went to college, you know, and now they're teaching you as young people and then you're listening to them. And you said, boy, you know, this this is pretty good. You respect them as teachers and you also respect them as, as teachers out on the football field on the basketball court. So now you're trying you, – and your mind, you're growing, and, and you're trying to say, what am I going to do after, and for my life? And so I said, I'm going to become a teacher so I can become a coach just like my coaches. I was very impressed by my coaches. And so I went on to college, and then well, I'm on, at Maryland State College, now at the time – there are like 635 um, kids on campus. That's a clear educational school. That's a small school. But mm-hmm. we still had a name for people playing professional football. And there wasn't a day when I was on that campus, when we practiced, there wasn't football scouts on that dog on campus was through his practice. So <clears throat> then we had people evolve and, and get Drafted into the um, into the pros, and my freshman year, I get a dog on a letter from the Dallas Cowboys and the San Diego Chargers. I'm saying, "Geez, I'm just a freshman." And then as time went by, um, I'm saying to myself, "You know, you you might have a shot here." And then I get drafted. My senior year, I get drafted by the Raiders in the third round, and boy. I said, this is exciting. And then once I left um, college and went to Oakland to begin my career, and I had players that would keep me after practice. All the players, the players that I played, you know, on the line, we'd go out after right. practice. They'd, they'd grab me and say, hey, come on over here. We're going to work on, some, work on something to get better. And I would do that, and then I evolved, started doing the same thing. When I – they came over. I grabbed a young guy, too. And so then later on, I remember saying, well, i go back to college. Maybe I can coach in college. Then one day, I think it was like my sixth year, fifth or sixth year in the league, uh, I would start in training camp. I grabbed a young tackle. I said, hey, come on. We're going to go close. This is what the guys did with me. I'm going to go over here and work on some pass sets. I'm going to go over there and work on some run blocking. You come on with me. I'd grab a young tackle. And then, so I would do that just about every day in training camp. And one day I was walking off the field, and John Madden, who normally stays out and talks to the press while everybody's going in, and he stopped me. He said, You know, if you weren't playing, he said, You know, I would hire you as a coach. And boy, why did he, when he he said that, the light bulb went off. Said, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I said, maybe I can do this professionally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people talk. So about a week later, I'm doing some of the same stuff. So I'm walking off the field again. Al Davis says, hey, coach. It's like that. <laughs> uh oh. He says, uh, you know, you know he. Well, no, I said to him. I said, you know, coach 'cause I'll be all calling Coach. I said, Coach, you know what? When I get through playing this game, I think I might want to be able. I want, might want to try coaching at this level. He said, Look, you continue to do good, continue to grow, and when the time comes, and you know, we'll sit down and talk about that. But for right now, you got a long ways to go. But we'll talk about it when the time comes. And man, that stuck in the back of my mind the whole time. And as time went by and I got to my fifteenth year and I said, you know what, I can't play the game the way I want to play it anymore. I can play it, but I'm not gonna I'm not to be a hanger on it. If I can't play it to my expectations then I'm not I'm not gonna do it. Right. So I walk <laughs> I walked into It was the first day of training camp. I remember this. Um, We go out on the practice field, and Gene was hurt that year. And I'm out there, and so my buddy's not here now. So, uh uh-oh, what what is this? So, anyway, we go through the long period that morning, 9 on and so we ran a play that I've been running for many years with the Raiders, ran the play off the left side, we ran it, they called the play, I ran it. And I hit this young this young defensive lineman. And he didn't move. I walked back at the huddle, I said, run that play again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh they called the play. I said, I'm gonna crank up on him now. I said, No me when I when I strike you, you gonna move. And so <laughs> I gave this kid everything I could give him so I could I'd move him just a little bit, but not like I normally would. And then I said to myself, That's it. Mm-hmm. Practice over, I walk my Tom stories off. I said, Tom, I'm done. I'm 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 getting out of here. He said, Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What are you talking about? I said, Tom, I can't play the game the way I want to play it. At the level that I want to play it, I'm not going to be a hanger on it. I, 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 I'm done. I can't play it where I want to. Be. He said, no, 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 you can't do that. And I said, look, my backup, I think, is ready to play. And he said, well, let, 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 you take the afternoon off and you think about it. Let me think about it. So I'm sure he and I went and talked about it. And so he said, look, do not wait until the season's over. Don't do this now. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll help the team or the team in person. I'll hang around. And um, if, need, if you need me, then I'm there for you. You know, So mm-hmm. that was my last year. So it's time for me to move on. So that's my playing career. And then I moved toward the coaching aspect of it. <clears throat> Did you ever
0: think that you would get that call from Al Davis to become the only, the second African American to be a, uh, a head coach well, in the NFL? It time for it.
1: Well, it takes time for that. So I become a, I, Al and I, after that season was over, Al and I talked. Because I said, Coach, remember nine years ago we had this conversation? And I said, It's time. It's time I'm ready to start coaching. I want to become a coach. And he said, "Okay." Uh, he said, "You to go talk to Tom, and um, you and Tom talk uh, talk about it." And then so, then Tom was fine with it. I became because Tom and I used to talk when I was playing, and he was being an assistant coach. He used to tell me how he wanted to be a head coach, and I used to tell him how I wanted to be an assistant coach. And uh, so, I became the guy that was coaching me. It wasn't my old coach, but there's another guy. Sam Bagoshian was the line coach at the time, so I became his assistant, and we learning the same system. I'd been learning all these years, so I knew everything. And the stuff that I learned, I could teach. I was a pretty good teacher. So I did that. Was back in um, '83, and um, we went to. I retired, and we go to Super Bowl next year. In the. Uh, uh, I remember we were down at Tampa Bay uh, getting ready for the Super Bowl against the Redskins and I up as, as just after practice he walked up to me and says yeah you think his coaching is easy huh your first year as, as a coach you going to the doggone Super Bowl I said yeah coach this is pretty good I like this like, yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm the
1: man uh-huh. so then I then after that I asked him, I said, Coach, let me ask you a question. I'm talking Al Davis. How do you become the head coach in this league? Now, hell, I just, started because, I just started as an assistant coach. So I'm asking him, how do you become the head coach in this league? Not thinking and realizing that there weren't many black mm-hmm. assistant coaches at the time in the league. There was, was some, but there weren't right. many of them. Right. Hey, I am talking about how you become a head coach. <laughs> you know, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't bat an eye. He just said, uh, well, number one thing you got to learn is personnel and organization. Those things are, those are two of the, the most important things you got to learn. He said, talk to some people that are head coaches. So we go to Combine, and you see guys like Bill Parcells, and, and then guys like that, you grab them in a the corner and talk to them a little bit. And he said, "Do that. Talk to him. Find out what's going on." He said, "Learn personnel. Learn organization." Okay. So in eighty, eighty nine? No, eighty eight. Tom was retiring, and Al was going to make a change. And he said he, he called each one of us on the staff that was there. He let us know how he felt, and he said, "Look." You're not ready to be a head coach yet. He told me that. I wasn't thinking wow. about being a head coach. I just wanted to keep a job, right? He said, <laughs> yeah. So he said, "But you, 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 you won't be here. You you're not going anywhere. You won't be a part of the staff, and uh, just keep, just keep growing." And so, um that's I was happy to have a job, you know. So, Shanahan was coach first year and I knew things weren't going well between he and Al. The so difference of opinion on things. And mm-hmm. so Santa had second year. You know, we go through training camp, and uh, we were a we boy were in the first two or three games, first couple of games, we, did, we didn't do well in. It. And then uh, my trainer, George Anderson, one day he walked up to me. He said, "The oh, old man I was asking me about you." I said, "Is that right? Yeah. About what?" He was asking me about you. I said, "Okay." And after <clears throat> after the fourth game, after the fourth game, we lost, and I got a, I'm laying up in bed at home about twelve o'clock at night. Ted Koppel along. on. I just got back from. I just got in from work nightline.
0: Huh? Take copper, take coppel, nightline. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So I uh, so I'm
1: I'm uh, laying in bed and I get the phone ring. I said, Let's call this call this time of night. It's
0: about midnight, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's late.
1: So so He says, uh hey, how you doing? I said, Coach, I'm doing fine. I said, what's up? He said, well, I've been thinking. I've been going over some things. He says, um, I'm thinking about making a change at the head coaching position. I said, oh. He said, I'm thinking about making you the head coach. I said, oops, oh, okay. He says, uh, I want to think about it. Um, I want you to think about it Get some rest and sleep And then uh, we'll talk about it tomorrow Tomorrow morning And I hung up and I told my wife What was said And I said he expects me to go to sleep now he <laughs> right. just <laughs> Christ Oh my <laughs> goodness So I got up Got my notebook out so I'm preparing myself this happens. I went out and start writing notes what I'm gonna to say to the team, I'm going to approach the team that um, the change the change comes about and um, so when I went to work the next morning, um, I knew Al walked over he was in the Shanahan's office and he went back downstairs and went back to the building. Then I got a phone call saying said Davis, want to see you. so. I knew it had happened. So that's when I became, I was announced as the head coach. I went over to Al's office. We met. We talked. He said, you're a Raider. You've always been a Raider. And he said, one thing you need to understand, I'm not hiring you because you're black. That's not what I'm in this thing for. I'm hiring you because you're a Raider. You understand this organization. I said, that's no problem, Coach. And um, then we talked a little bit about what I would do, how I would do it. I told him uh, what my process would be. I'd have to approach the football team. And uh, I talked about the staff, um, what would happen with the staff. We went through all that scenario. Then he asked me questions as if he, as if he was depressed. You know, and uh, I answered those questions. um how to see how because we were going to have a press conference, so I had to be able to be ready to to respond to some things. So he said, "Okay, let's go. Let's get this done. You you go back over. And we'll call you when it's time for the press conference." So that's how that came about.
0: 1989. Now, now did you were you aware of Fr- uh, Fritz Pollard at, at that point of being the first? Did do you have any idea I, who he was at that time?
1: I tell you who I knew who Fish Paul was, but and I go back to nineteen seventy nine, we played a exhibition game in, in Canton, of the Raiders did. Mm-hmm. I think I forgot who we played. I think it was Cowboys or somebody we played. And John allowed us to go it was it John Tom? Seventy nine. Anyway, my mind is going crazy now. Well, that was Tom. We went to the Hall of Fame, so the players got a chance to go through the Hall of Fame. You know, it was like half an hour, 45 minutes at night. And there was this little machine on the side over there. And I walked by and hit the little button. And there was this black guy running. Football player. And boy was I excited You know because I I never knew The history Would go back that far I played that thing over I'm about to play that thing ten times Just looking at this little clip And then I would call Man come here look at this And I would call everybody I I could find I would call them over I said look at this There's a black black player back in the 1920s Look at this
0: Mm -hmm. I was
1: excited You know and I read the name of Fritz Pollard. I said, wow. So everybody I saw, I said, come on, y'all need to see this one. Look at this. Because I was just happy to see that there was a black playing back during that time frame. And um, as time went then I got a chance to know a little bit more about the guy that I saw. And that was on a little clip, film clip. Fritz Pollard. Player, coach. Man. Back in 1920
0: 21 yep. That was amazing That's
1: right mm-hmm.
0: Yep and so he was actually Like you said he's coach as well as The first black with Bobby Marshall Being NFL mm-hmm. Well what is now the NFL Mhm. Yeah it, that was yep.
1: So that's That was my first um, Introduction to Mr.
0: Pollard and what a, what a job that you did, coach! And you know, I have to give you that respect, player coach, of you know really stepping in and and really doing a great job, uh, you know, uh, in your coaching career. Um, Thank you. I mean, it's not it's not that many players. Well, there's some, but not all of them have been players and all you know all pro, and then. Go you know go on to be you know and then become hall of famer and then become say well I want to do this again as a coach mm-hmm. so what, you know that's you know because the coaching aspects just a, a totally different like you said it's it's a different teaching and evaluating and so there's a lot to become a coach and a lot of players decide not to do that and I and I understand at a young age you you kind of mm-hmm. thought that yeah. and, and I, I did the same thing. Yeah, you know, I said, you know what, coming up as a youngster, so I know you at where you at and came up with that. Mm-hmm. What would you say mm-hmm. was harder? Being a all pro player, um or uh a great coach? What was what was harder? Uh, I think coaching is harder. I think coaching as a player, you know when
1: you're a player, you're dealing with your abilities and your ability to get the most out of yourself. The coaches will get it out of you, but you have to have a mindset that you want to be successful at this job. And mm-hmm. coaching, you deal with a lot of personalities. you got to move together, got to get them all on the same page as to how you want to go about winning football games. And I think that's a, that's a tougher job than it is to be a player because if you got the attitude of a player that you want to be successful and you want to be successful and you're willing to learn, then you'll, you'll, you'll work at it and you'll pay the price to get that done. Uh, but I got a little note I want to add to that coaching thing. Sure. Um, first game I, I coached in was in New York. Uh, as I look back on it, Al Davis is a smart guy. Well, he was a smart guy first game I was going to coach in was a Monday night football game in New York. And guess who the first, guess who who the referee of the game was? Johnny Greer. Johnny
0: Greer. The first
1: first black referee. Referee. Head referee (laughs) in the National Football League. And Johnny... Uh, John and I got I got to work with Johnny in the league office for a while. And you know, mm-hmm. you get letters. You get letters when you go and when you do things like this. You get letters from around this nation that, but it weren't many. I had about maybe seven letters that were just very negative, you know. And I remember one letter, letter says, you... You you blacked us and you you cheated and you won the game. You and your nigga referee. So every time I just see Johnny after that, Johnny, now you know you're my nigger referee now. <laughs> 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 oh boy. We get a big laugh out of that. I said, I said, but with all of that that had occurred during that time frame, I got about seven letters that were very negative. And the players and the coaches from the other team, I'm talking about white and black, were just before the game you go on the field. Oh, they were so excited to see it happening. You know, they come over and say, hey, congratulations. Much success to you. Not today, but much success to you, that kind of thing. So that's was a great, great opportunity, and I'm glad. I was able to get on the field and coach and be a part of the legacy that Chris Pollard was was allowed to send down towards me and the other guys that came along.
0: I'm glad. I'm glad you were doing because not everyone is able to. I guess you know it, it's a lot of weight that comes with you know breaking. You know, doors down, and yeah, mm-hmm. you wasn't the first, mm-hmm. but you were kind of the first in this era, you know. Yeah, so in the modern,
1: in the modern it's, era, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's correct. So, it, it, like you said, there's, there's a lot of stuff that comes at you, and you got to kind of, you know, deflect it and keep focus at what's on yep. hand. So I commend you for that. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. I mean, Jackie Robinson did it on, on a, as a player. But, you know, doing things and breaking ground is not easy. Because uh, challenges no, you mentally, you know, tremendously. So, mm-hmm. you know, congratulations from doing that. Now, and I know our time is limited, man. I could, I could have you for, you know, t- talking about Al Davis, which we won't, because I know that'll take some time. We'll circle back with mm-hmm. you definitely to talk about Al Davis, but just to kind of keep on the theme of, of, uh, of, uh, of being, you know, the second African American. What is your thoughts mm-hmm. about the Rooney Rule and the amount of opportunities for African American coaches? As you know, as you know the league is pretty, you know, as you know, as a player is. is I would say it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of about you know sixty, seventy percent African Americans. Uh, sometimes yeah. you don't necessarily yeah. see that reflected as far as coaches. What's your thoughts mm-hmm. about where the league is today and and where would you like league, to see it go to if it's not? The league has
1: come a ways. Um, when the Rooney rule came about, uh, that was a good thing. Uh, Dan Rooney, God bless his soul, that, that was a that was a great guy. One of the great, mm-hmm. great owners in this league. Uh, diversity was very important to him. Um, and the, diversity was important to a lot of people. But the. Uh, and we need to continue to make that thing, make it better. But the key thing in this whole deal, as I see it, is the general managers that put you in front of the owners to have an interview. And if those general managers are not doing, it, they're not, in my mind, it's not working like it should, it's, it's, they're not doing the job they should. Because there are too many job openings and there are too many good coaches and in the, in, the, in the pipeline, uh, um, black coaches in the pipeline that are not getting the opportunity to become a to become a coach, like the kid I'm calling the kid that the kid at Arizona last year. How in the devil can you go into a job one year with one that year. situation where it was and then okay. He didn't get it done. Uh so now we gotta find another coach.
0: That's
1: that's 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 crazy, but that that's gonna you show show you some of the ownership in the in the league and some of the right. people that make this the the decisions. That's that that wasn't right. That was totally wrong. But right. that guy he took the fall. And and that and and, and that hurts.
0: Now,
1: it got nothing against the coach that was there the year before, uh, that's down in Tampa now. What's his name? Uh
0: uh anyway, you talking about the head coach? There. Yeah. That was down the year before. Well you were talking at, initially about Vance uh I think Vance Joseph, who used to be
1: no, one of the coaches. No, 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 he got fired. Vance was, yeah, Vance Joseph was at Denver uh,
0: Wilkes, Yes, I think it was,
1: Wilkes was at Arizona yep. in the year before. That's correct. Uh the coach at down he's the head coach of the camp of Bay now, that coach. You don't think he saw what was going on coming when he decided that he was going to retire? He retired. He went to the booth for a year, and then he decided to yeah. come back. Bruce Arians. The time of yeah, Bruce Arians.
0: Bruce Arians. So, he, uh-huh.
1: Bruce knew what was going on. He said that thing for a yes. while. Yes. And then the coach goes in there, thinks he's going to have a chance, you know, to, 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 write, to write the ship, and then he gets running after one year. That, that, that's not right. So now he has to go to the bottom of the doggone list. And you don't know where that doggone bottom is, right? But there, there are guys, and I, I like what Miami did. Miami uh, went in; they got a, a black uh, general manager, they got a black head coach. You know, give give us opportunities, and we and, and we, we could be just as, as successful as anybody else if given the opportunity and the tools to to go out and try to achieve. But if you're gonna put us in a doggone <laughs> A uh, hole that you can't dig your way out of Then we'd be we like anybody else want to have a chance
0: Absolutely so anyway. that's, that's what it's yeah. all about Like you said mm-hmm. so, so do you think And and, and we're going to wrap here in a few minutes But we definitely going to mm-hmm. have you back But From even even ownership do you, do you think there'll be a time Where we can have an African American to be uh, in upper management, there's not as many, like you mentioned. There's, there's a couple uh, that's out there, but even ownership. In ownership? No.
1: In ownership? Well, I I, I believe you know that's a, that's that that's a tight as a tight knit um, group of owners. Uh,
0: <laughs> yes.
1: They make a they make a lot of money, but the, sometimes there's opportunities that show up. I remember. Uh, when I was working And uh, doing some work in the league office the Ownership came up in Minnesota And um, I forgot the guy's name uh, But this black young man Had a chance to buy uh, ownership and, um, and be the lead owner With the Minnesota Vikings mm-hmm. but, um, and, and believe me I know this for a fact The league, the league office Was trying to make this thing happen guys uh, uh, that's good to hear. Tiders. Yeah, I was talking to Tiger for all the time. They, they they wanted it to work, but um, just the money situation this 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 couldn't get up couldn't turn out right. But yeah, to have a lot of money up. these days. hmm Oh yeah, yeah. But I think there's a few guys in the league, and you know, small ownership. I think there's some in the league. But you don't know they're there. But there's some small ownership in the league. But I think if you if you something comes up and if you get your backing together and get your money in order, I think the league will the league will accept them. I believe that.
0: I hope I hope you're right. I'd, I'd like to mm-hmm. see that. I know, you know, a lot of that chatter's out there. We hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you know, doing our show and talking to a lot of. People and on, on all different aspects, you know, because a lot of people, of course, are NFL fans. But mm-hmm, um, yeah. you know, the, the, you know what happened with Kaepernick. Kind of for people that realize the real reason why he did it, people want to mm-hmm. see change, change as far as a lot of different aspects. Ownership is one sure. we like to yeah. see that, and and I hope yeah. you are correct that that that's that's going to happen because I mean, like you said, we, we besides. Where we, we, most of the players are African Americans, that means we could be coaches, we could be general managers, and we That's have right. plenty of money. As as far mm-hmm. as, a, you know, there's there's a lot of billionaires that African American Americans, or we could team up yeah, with other people. So, mm-hmm. I, I think the league will it will take them to another level. once that happens, oh, I agree. So I, I, agree. Yeah. I agree
1: I agree with that wholeheartedly.
0: Yeah. Wow. So, on that note, we're going to we're going to wrap. Um, Brad, do you have anything that you like to uh
1: of, of course, just like before real,
0: we before we wrap up.
1: Yeah, I just like a real quick um all-time favorite story, real quick of the Jack Tatum. Anything that you remember that that you'd like to share. <laughs> Jack Taylor was one of the greatest players in the Raider history, one of the finest young men you could ever want to be around. Uh, and you didn't mess with Jack now. Jack, Jack was different, what they call a different animal. Uh, <laughs> but he was, <laughs> but uh, he, was, he was tough on the field. He was tough off the field. But he was nice, one of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. I'm telling you. I remember okay. uh, he was such a hard hitter. And the guys, the guys on the team we used to call him the dreamer. And people said, Why y'all call him the dreamer? I said, Because he put you to sleep. <laughs> 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 I knew that was coming. <laughs> he, he used to tell the BBs, he'd tell those quarters, they look in on. Um, when you get rid of tackle a guy, leave a piece. Get get a, get to the side. Get a get a piece with me. Because I'm coming. And when he says he's coming, he's covered with a hundred miles an hour. Mm. And if you got in the way, and well he's knocked out a couple of our own guys, a couple of DBs, our own DBs, Because he's mm. such a tough, tough hitter. And I thought that he got a bad rap on the New England thing. I mean Back in those days, man, you didn't send those doggone on receivers like they run these slants now. You didn't send those doggone on receivers across that field like that. First of all, you shouldn't put that kid in that situation, Stinger in that situation, running him on that dog on slant, route. And then the quarterback, a little terrible pass, a little terrible pass where he had to reach up, and here, here comes, here comes when he when he got hit. It just it is was an unfortunate thing. that uh, You hate to see it happen, but Jack, Stinger. Huh? Yeah. Got bad yep. That 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 thing was terrible what they did. And then the things that happened and when they said he didn't even go to the hospital, he tried to go see his at the hospital twice. And John Madden had to stop the team from leaving. So where are y'all going? This guy's in the hospital, you mean you ain't gonna leave somebody here with this kid? They were gonna leave him there by himself in the hospital. So when you get down to that stingy thing, that that that, that was just a, that's just an unfortunate situation. Jack felt terrible about it because as a player, you don't want to see another player get hurt, right? And he, he took that he took that hard. He took it hard. But everybody tried to you know castigate him and say he's a dirty player. He wasn't a dirty player. It was that doggone route. We didn't run routes like that with our receivers. Cause we knew back, shit. in there? Knock your head off too. That's real car. We ran a rock, deep, route. and Willie back there knocking his head off back there. That just that's just a, the game now. The way the game was now, the rules that protect the protect those people like that, which is great. The game has evolved great. for protection. But Jack got a bad rap. But he was he was a great guy to play with. Uh, I wish we had more Jack Tatums in this league. He played the game clean, he played it fair, but he played it hard, which is the game of football is a tough game. You go play hit hard and you're gonna get hit hard. If you don't hit somebody hard, they gonna hit you hard.
0: That's just the That's way right. the game is played. That's great. Couple quick hits, uh, before we let you go, Art. Um mm-hmm. Yes or no. Jim Plunkett, Hall of Famer. Yes but Any reason That you don't think he's In
1: You know The toughest thing for me Is when you read the stats on it Jim won two Super Bowls With the Raiders But you know Jim never Off scene the accolades You know like all pro And uh, um, Player of the year Those type of things those are not on the stats, so they both think they hold but against he was, you.
0: He was an MVP though in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. But they're looking they, at the, when they start looking at the stats, man, they start looking at the seasons. What kind of accolades did you get? Did you get all this? Did you get all that? And when yeah, I, I
0: bottom I line is he won, the he won the big games. Won the big games. That's the bottom line. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well. Yeah, I agree with you on that, but I'm just telling you how people, people that vote, what
0: they look at. Yeah, no, I got you. Well, I'm, we're pulling for him. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm yeah, a proponent yeah. that, oh, yeah. that I agree with you, that he should be in. I agree. Now, I agree. Uh, Gino, we talked about, man, we, we could go on with him. But I'd like to also commend you because a lot of people don't realize from your coaching tree, and everybody's got a coaching tree, some some heavyweights uh, came out from your coaching tree. One of them, Tony Dungy, Marvin Lewis, and Denny Green. You ought to be commended that these brothers were tremendous coaches. And El you know, Tony was yes. fortunate to win one Super Bowl. To me, he should have had yep. he should have had two because he, he was yeah. robbed. But we won't go into that. You know, mm-hmm. but <laughs> you know where I'm coming from down in Tampa uh-huh. about oh, that.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. That was his oh, team yeah. I and mean, he would have won. So he'd have two mm-hmm. Super Bowls. But but I'm happy they, they kinda I don't want to say made up for it because they didn't make anything up for him. He earned it uh-huh. as being in uh-huh. a um, you know being in Canton. So yeah. any any, any did, did you I guess you, did you saw them as as, as the talent when when they were youngsters? as coaches?
1: Oh, you mean as coaches? Oh, yes. Look, most, most guys, if they play the game and they learn and observe all the coaching that they, get, that they get, and then you will study the film and see what people are doing, you can evolve as a, as a, as a, as a very good coach. And all those guys, I mean, Demi Green was a great college coach, I remember him. When Denny was at uh, what's the name of that school up in the Chicago area, where um, they went up there, look at a player that he was coaching. What oh, was it, North, Northwestern?
0: Probably Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. probably.
1: And then um, uh, was anyway, back then. Denny was a heck of a coach back then. You know so. Any 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 if a matter of fact, Benny came after right after I did. He was the second one behind me. Yeah. Benny was a great coach, man. God bless him while he's gone. But ooh, he was something special. Tony, you can't say enough of what Tony did, um, as a coach. Um uh the, the guy from Chicago, um, he's coaching Illinois now, uh, uh, line ex linebacker. Uh, you see my mind is going now. I can't even can't right. people up with like I used to. That's uh, all right. Great coaches, uh, a lot of outstanding coaches that have opportunities. Like uh, the kid works last year. I thought that was terrible. Yes, it did to him. Um, all you need is an opportunity. You give them opportunities and uh, give them support. Anybody can coach in their league.
0: Well, with that said, we appreciate it, Art, and we, we definitely want to have you back on. I mean, there was just so much that we wanted to touch, and, of course, there's only so much time that we can kind of lock you down yeah. in. So we, we appreciate it. Um, it. Would you give any words of, of advice to those young athletes that are trying to make it in as a player and or a coach into the league? What would you tell them as a, as the kind of last words? Uh, For the show uh, what, 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 what what, What do they need to do To be successful Either as a player or coach
1: Have a plan As to what you want to do Keep your mind open Your eyes open Your ears open And learn And find something that you love doing And then put forth the work to get it done If you put the work in You can achieve anything in life You want to You've got to set your goals and um, organize yourself as to how you're going to go about doing it. Learn from the good people and other people, but learn from the good people, people that want to help you. You listen to them. You might, they might not tell you what, you what you want to hear, but there's something that they might say that might help trigger what you want to do. Keep an open mind. Keep, keep your ears open and listen. You don't listen to garbage listen to somebody that has something to say that's meaningful for you to help formulate your ideas about how you want to go about doing it
0: well with that said you just laid it out for them we appreciate you art for for spending some time with us like i said we 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 we, we love you we appreciate you you know joining us and i mean you you, you laid so much uh Wisdom. Uh, we, we definitely, at a later time, will circle back with you. There was just so much that we wanted to cover, and of course, we just couldn't cover it all. But it's it's just great to have you on. Um, we well, commend you for what you've done and what you'll continue to do to, you know, to uh, trying to help well, those that, that trying to fill yeah. your shoes.
1: You guys, are, you guys have been good, and I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, I think this is this is great. Uh, you get a chance to to talk about um, what I've done and how i try to lay out a plan, and hopefully um, it will help someone else um, that's sitting out there that wants to do something with their life, no matter what that is. It doesn't have to be in sports. It could be in everyday life. Just make sure you set a goal as to what you want to do and have a plan. Have a plan as to how you're going to go about doing it. and. Reach out to some people that that's been there that know how to do it.
0: Well, Brett, another great guest, and what better guest than not even just a professional athlete, but a professional coach, and he did it both did both well at the highest level. Tell you, just 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 a great great. Great interview. So we we appreciate his time. We look forward to uh, our next show next week. Stay safe. Stay sound. God bless.
1: Peace.